Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, Redheads Quarantine Redheads Book Club. We are so excited to be here. Our second episode of the month, back by popular demand. How's everyone doing today, girls? We're good. Still here. <laughs> doing I good. I feel like the redheads are in very high spirits because unanimously the book for this month before we were strangers by Renee Carlino was so beloved. It was a snitch's choice. Snitch, how do you feel about the reception to the book? That I united the redhead community. Um, I feel really great about it just because I really didn't know if it was going to hit and it hit. It really did. It hit big time. She landed. Like major, major hit. I'm I'm very... I'm very grateful for you to you for choosing this book because you I, never mean, I loved it. I I mean I had never even heard of it, so I yeah no I never would have yeah. And it was just the uplifting book that we all needed, like a good love story, you know? Yeah, yeah. Even though I was like crying, I, <laughs> I was crying. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, the best kind of love stories make you cry, but I also haven't seen one person who didn't like it. You know, usually there's like. I saw a, a mixed couple reviews. things actually. I some people oh, said really? some people said that they thought the ending was rushed, which I didn't get that vibe at all. The opposite I got. I would have liked Same. a little bit more ending, but I didn't think it was rushed. No, that was a piece no, of feedback. No, I didn't think it was rushed either. That I and had. some people said it was cheesy, but like whatever. Of course it was. I love cheesy. Yeah, That's why we good. loved it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay, so let's get into it. First, before we start talking about the book, how's everyone doing? I just want to do like a check on everyone mentally physically how are we feeling Bex let's start with you oh you know I'm feeling good as a lot of you know I had coronavirus and I was really fortunate that it was a fairly mild case I mean I'm still suffering with um no the loss of smell it's crazy like my sense of taste is pretty much back but my sense of smell non-existent it is so wild but it's like a good and bad thing you know um yeah like you don't (laughs) That is really crazy. <laughs> like you could smell so bad and have no idea. Yeah, like me. no, it's actually true. Like D. Um, I but overall, that's crazy. Overall, things are going well. Like I'm remaining positive. I think going outside has been really helpful. Getting fresh air. It's it's been pretty sunny the last few days outside of this like wild tornado that hit a few days ago. And I'm just doing my best, as I'm sure everyone else is. Great. Well, we're glad you're doing better. Dana, how are you feeling? I'm fine. I have been getting through this quarantine with books, honestly. I cannot stop reading. We're watching Tiger King. We started Ozark. I still haven't shaved my legs. Things are pretty much the same. Me neither. Really? <laughs> yeah, no, I like refuse. We should both go to the You've waxing come so center far. together. 
Oh my god, you guys have come so far at this point. Are you going to shave when it's time, or are you going to wax? wax? Or are you I have laser? No choice. You have so my much shower hair. can't oh. handle it if I shave. Like your <laughs> razor can't handle it. You need a yeah. weed whacker. <laughs> <laughs> you need the. You need a scissor. Like you need a trim. It's bad. I'm going to wax. That's for crazy. Sure. Yeah, the, take the opportunity. Snitch, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It really depends on the day. You're catching me on a, on a good day. Um, I haven't done Yay. anything. I watched All American all day. And if you guys don't watch it, you should. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been reading a lot this week because um, be, before we're, we were strangers really like got me in the reading mood. So now I've just been like into it. Um, but yeah, I'm doing good. How are you doing, Jackie? Wow, thank you for asking. I am doing well. I'm so excited that the Redheads is twice a month. I was so glad and biased when everyone was voting for it. Um, I loved this book and I'm excited for the next Snitch's Choice. And I'm just glad to catch up with you guys like more. And I feel like the Redheads community is really blossoming in quarantine, you know? Yeah. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the Redheads community. Oh, I'm so grateful. I've gotten such fantastic recommendations from the Redheads community. Same. Me too. And now, like, I'm always excited when we record an episode because it means I can, like, read other books with abandon for another week or two. Yeah. And I'm excited to do that, like, because I try and read this book, like, right before we record, but I'll usually have one or two days where I've already finished the book, but I don't want to get my head into a new headspace. So I'm looking forward to enjoying this and, and really hearing everyone's thoughts, but then, you know, getting into my next read. Totally. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, well... Let's get right into it. The book Before We Were Strangers by Renee Carlino. A quick summary for those of you who either read it a long time ago or just listened to this podcast because you like us as people. Um, It is the story of Boy Meets Girl. Boy loves her. All of the um, (laughs) recaps that I do go like this. It's Boy Meets Girl. Boy loves girl. Girl loves boy. They're in a relationship for a year while they're students at NYU. Then they graduate and boy goes off to intern for National Geographic. Girl hangs back to wait for him to get home. While boy is interning for National Geographic, girl gets very mixed messages, making her believe that boy is done with her. Therefore, girl decides to embark on a year and a half European orchestra tour. But boy had no clue any of this was going on. When boy returns home, he sees that girl is gone, thinking that girl Girl wants nothing to do with him. Fast forward 15 years, boy has been married to the woman that girl thought boy left her for. Also important to note, it was 1997. No phones. Yes, and that was the year that Margo was born. So while all this was happening, the snitch was ruminating in the womb, <laughs> getting ready to read this book. And that is a very important note, snitch. 15 years later, they see each other on the subway. They're shook to the motherfucking core. Boy takes out an ad in Craigslist misconnections. Girl sees it from one of her students. Boy and girl reconnect. So much has happened. So much time has passed. They still love each other, but there's so much between them. Turns out girl had a daughter fathered by boy. Boy did not know, but boy's wife maybe knew? Question mark. We'll get there. Then they have to, you know, figure out and navigate the dynamics of this new world that they're living in 15 years later, but that love is still there. End of the day, boy loves girl, girl loves boy, boy and girl both love their daughter. Had wow, I that wow. made me want to read the book. That was incredible. <laughs> I mean, Thanks. how did you do that? It was just incredible. I, don't know, I just like, I didn't even remember don't need to talk about, about anything. It. You constantly amaze me. <laughs> I'm getting better at these summaries because people really do ask for like a legit summary. I guess now that it's two weeks 
the summaries are less important because, like, how could you really have forgotten? But some of but, our, you know, but some of our listeners fun. haven't read the book, so it's perfect for them. Yeah. That's very true. Okay, so overall, let's go around. Um, high, high points. What did you think about the book? Let's start with Dana. I loved it. I really did. I would have never read it on my own, so thank you, Snitch, for recommending it. Um, in terms of what I like the most about it, I have to say it was like that juxtaposition between past and present. I love when authors do it. We kind of saw it a little and nothing to see here when we got like a brief glimpse into their days in high school. Or, and we kind of, if anyone read What Else Forgot, I know you did, Jackie, that whole book is the interplay between past and present. And I think it's so mm-hmm. good because like you as the reader, when you go back into the present, have all these memories similar to the narrator, but then Grace doesn't have that in her mind because she hasn't been ruminating on the past for the past 100 pages. So I thought that was the best part. I think that they did that in a really clean way in this book because sometimes it's hard to like keep track. Wait, who, what, where? But in this book, it was very streamlined and I appreciated that. I felt like I was really in the character's head. Snitch, as the queen of this book, how did you feel about it? I mean, I absolutely adored it. Like it was so hyped up once I actually finally read it that I thought that there was no way like I would actually enjoy it as much as everyone was saying, but like I was wrong. I also just liked how connected I felt to the characters because I feel, well, I did go to NYU, but that had nothing to do with it true but I just feel and like you're such you're such a grace with her blue oh, actually she was green-eyed yeah and I'm still, not very with similar I'm not good at the cello you're grace you play the cello no I didn't identify with grace actually but, I didn't identify with any no I didn't identify with them exist no oh okay. maybe it did in 1997 <laughs> but not like when I went there Got um it. I just really connected with the characters like I was just so involved and invested in their story like from the start which normally doesn't really happen like once I finished the book I was still thinking like oh what are Matt and Grace up to today you know so I think it was yeah. probably that yeah totally Bex I loved it too I thought it was the perfect novel for this time in our lives in the world and I thought it was the perfect kind of love story because it wasn't so basic I mean, I don't want to call Red, White, and Royal Blue Basic, but it was like a little predictable. And I love that this story just was a little bit more complicated. There were highs and lows, of course, but I was so invested in each of the characters' well-being throughout that I was like, I just want to see everyone be happy. It was so uplifting at times, and I was just, I was into it. I wasn't expecting to love it as much as I did because I was seeing some feedback in the Redheads group and just from people who had read it. And I was like, I wonder if this is going to be like a little tween love story right and but no they yeah. were like 36 yeah it wasn't at all I, it was I, mature it surprised me how much I liked it and I was trying Someone to actually dm me that it was like porn before I read it I was like oh god what did I choose oh no oh yeah well that's We've the thing porn. with all of these romance books by the way like that was not porn it was like maybe three pages of porn it's fine it was a little it was a little porny but compared to other romance like and YA books it was like an average level of porn. it was yeah I agree well, now yeah, I know like why a, you're yeah. so desensitized to red, white, and royal blue, Margot, because you read these books all the time. Yeah, no, by the way, like, most books that I read are porny, so, like, it doesn't even phase me. Written, I yeah. like, we told you. You and Rebecca were, like, not understanding we were why we're so not phased, and we're like, no, this genre of book, like, is porny. porny. And now once, when you guys, like, start to read more of our choices, you'll understand that, like, red, white, and royal blue was nothing. <laughs> nothing. Totally. Oh, my God. Literally, like, we didn't get any details when it came to red, white, and royal blue. Oh, my God. I was, I know, like, I think I really, the subway. I think I jumped the gun on being judgmental about YA books. When it was Margot's choice, immediately I was like, 
I don't know. We'll see about this. And I loved it. It was such a great, it was amazing. And it was the perfect read for the, for where we're at in life right now. So well done, yeah. Snitch. Thank you. Agreed. I really liked it because I liked that we got to see Grace and Matt's perspective, which I thought was missing from Red, Right, and Royal Blue, mostly because we only heard from one lover and I didn't even like his point of view. So I loved like hearing from Matt and like his, his perspective perspective of grace being like she's so beautiful like oh my god he was so obsessed with her and then when you hear grace and it's like she like wants to like she's so in love with matt like i I really couldn't tell who was more in love with the other person and it was interesting to read from both of their perspectives like how happy they were to be with one another as opposed to just assuming like matt's falling all over grace and like she's just this like aloof beautiful girl right yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So anyways, I think we should get into the themes and the questions. We have a lot of questions because the Redheads submitted some great questions about the book. But before we go there, I want to talk about the major themes. I actually pulled some quotes from the book because I think the two biggest themes are time and the passage of time being like past, present, and future, and also memories. So I want to go into time first because uh, I believe it was Grace who says this, and I thought it was so apt. She said, the past doesn't belong to us anymore, and the future is just a fantasy, never guaranteed. But the present is ours to own. The only way we can realize that fantasy is if we embrace the now. Did that speak to anyone else? Yes. I mean, the whole book itself made me want to not like a not have any regrets B, like just be present in the moment now because there's nothing that you can do about what's going to happen to you and what's already happened so it really made me want to take life by its like horns you know yeah but just the notion that like the past is kind of irrelevant like it doesn't it's like it is what it is but it's not ours anymore and the future is a fantasy and like what you do now you can realize that fantasy but it's still just like an abstract thing I don't know it just really resonated with me I thought that's an interesting takeaway given that like my reaction was less I want to live in the moment and take advantage of the now and more I was agonizing over what could have been like I was obsessed with if he had come back and she was there what if she was able to get in touch with him when he was still on National Geographic like I wasn't like okay let's just focus on the now I was obsessing over all the things that could have been different. So it's a good lesson, like, don't do that. But I found myself just, like, in such frustration the entire time. I totally agree. Like, I felt like I was obsessed with time throughout the entire story, whether I wanted to go back in time and rework their narrative or if I wanted to fast forward and speed up time so I could just skip to where I could figure out what ended up happening between them and I could see if everything was realized and came together or I was going to be disappointed. Like, throughout the it was such a crazy theme that was interwoven throughout every subplot yeah totally and then layered with that is the thought of memories um even at one point the author says everything seems better in a memory do you agree with that yeah I highlighted that part it's like it goes that's why my mother always said we memorialize our past everything seems better in a memory which is so true I memorialize my past every second of every day like I always think about like like my life like before whatever today and I like think of I just make it like as if it was the most amazing thing ever but then if I was back in those moments like there would obviously be not like good things does that make sense yeah yeah. totally agree when we're out of this we're all gonna be like we miss the days when we didn't have to wake up in the morning (laughs) and like I do agree with that quote and that it gets so romanticized the past but I also wonder like 
it's interesting timing that they broke it off when they were at the peak of their honeymoon stage. Like, what if their relationship was able to progress and they got to get past that obsessiveness and then they were able to be in a real relationship? Like, who knows if they would have made it out of there alive? Like, you could argue that the reason they ended up together is because they ended on such a high that, like, those were the memories they had to work off of when they reconnected and their lives sucked. That's so true. No, I can... I completely agree. And that's the way that I saw it. Like if everything had worked out and they were waiting for each other after National Geographic, but she was pregnant, they were about to embark on probably the most difficult phase of their lives where they're struggling, but they're, you know, they're wanting to give everything to their craft. They're also parents. They're also financially like not stable. And those sorts of strains can put so much pressure on a relationship that you either break or you resent each other. Mm -hmm. And so them coming together 15 years later when they have it all figured out, they have this like amazing daughter. It there's They never had that. They had all the pain and tension on their own, but they never really went through it together as a couple. Yeah. And that made their relationship on, only beautiful. Honestly, it's, like it was best case scenario. I actually was starting to like, <laughs> when I was thinking about it more and more, I really was starting to think that because I don't know how they their relationship could have survived everything that they would have had to go through together as human beings they were able to survive on their own and like grace was able to bring up ash and she had the help of porn sake i can't even deal with the name porn sake no it's so true matt was a matt was able to like follow his dreams but if he knew that grace was pregnant he would have never gone to australia he would have never gotten a pulitzer prize he would have always like been what if about my career and resented her and that sort of resentment like builds and builds and ruins a relationship they both got to live out their dreams and then come back together that's actually an incredible point that i didn't think about throughout the story but i did recognize that they let such an extreme wedge drive between them the night that they like got drunkenly married and the next day they realized it and like they unraveled so quickly. It was so abrupt how quickly things fell apart for them that clearly they had a lot of growing up to do. And if they allowed themselves to unravel so quickly, like one fight and then poof, they weren't talking for a week leading up to his departure for South Africa. I was like, or South America, I forget. I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. they have a lot of maturing to go through and they have to, if if this is what unraveled in one time, life is about to happen. Like, would they have made it? So Mm -hmm. I I like that perspective. It's interesting. I hadn't thought about it fully, like to the end of, okay, like, was this the right call for them? Did it end up the way it was supposed to? Yeah. Right. And I I like that they acknowledge that they weren't speaking to each other with so little time left by saying, like, this is a total defense mechanism. Like, they know he's leaving soon. They can't handle the reality. They can't handle the truth. So, like, they're clamming up. And to Rit's point, they definitely needed to mature because that's not a good reaction. But I like how they didn't just leave us in, like, agony of, oh, my God, they're so mature, just figure it out. And they were like, no, they're kind of doing this because mentally they know that he's leaving and they don't know how else to, like, handle this. Yeah, and I think that communication issue where, like, he doesn't want to say sorry, she doesn't want to say sorry, foreshadowed the rest of the book, like, until 15 years later, where it's, like, she's trying to reach, they can't reach each other, and I think even, like, in their early relationship, you see, like, the seeds of that starting to form. That's a great point. Like, when she heard from a secondhand source that the photography room on Fridays was this big orgy and he like it just was why'd she get so mad that was crazy yeah it was such a microcosm of their like as Jackie said future miscommunications it was like that was it on the smallest level and they couldn't communicate about it until weeks later like how would they have communicated if they were to stay together 
A hundred percent. That's such a crazy point. But also, I get why she got so upset. You know, this is her (laughs) first love. And everything is just amplified when you're that age. I just think about past relationships and how serious we took ourselves and how intense it all was and how much passion there was. And it, it makes so much sense that like we were watching them live out this crazy passion and take their lives so seriously and every witch fight turned into a blow up because like that's how seniors or yeah, seniors in college are. Yeah, especially, like, being in college when you think you're in an adult, but you're not. But, like, you get to be in an adult relationship in, like, a, a such a small world. And it's, like, I feel like even when you think about college relationships or hookups, like, maybe, like, Bex can speak to this better. But, like, if you were in that situation and, like, you have, like, what you think is, like, this great love, like, it's really easy to get so carried away with yourself. I mean, 100%. I didn't, like... Jackie's referring to, like, I had a few relationships in college, not, like, this slew of wild, great, wild hookups. Like, I wasn't, like, hitting the town, but, like, I... No, exactly, but you were a relationship person. I was a relationship person, and I took them so seriously. I would have thought that I was marrying each of these people. I would have thought that we were meant to be, that every single fight was the end-all, be-all, that I had to be so in it and passionate like i understand why she got upset about the orgy like if i if i oh found out that XYZ, college, college bex would have freaked, freaked. Totally. and i would have brought college jacks and college dana to like his dorm and been like what's going on <laughs> tell me everything totally totally i don't Very think fair. a relationship like theirs or any college relationship could ever exist in the real world it just wouldn't happen like you go to work every day and then you come home and maybe you have dinner together like that's just such a unique dynamic that they got to experience in an environment that was only conducive to that had they met later like that passion i don't think would have panned out the same way yeah and also i think like they were just really mature characters with very pure souls who like were just happened to be each other's actual loves of their lives and even 15 years later they still had that same spirit whereas i think sometimes like for other people it's like you're not even the person that you're gonna be yet when you're a senior in college yeah but they were those people yeah you know but maybe because they had such strenuous like home lives that just forced them to grow up quick quicker and be mature and like they were old enough to know that they were right for one another. Yeah. You know? Totally. And then, so, in the same vein, another big theme is love, which I think we've touched on, and then regret. I think the regret is heavy in this book. Heavy in this book. Especially for Matt. I feel like he has more regret about, like, things unsaid, whereas Grace kept trying. You know, she was always reaching out or writing letters, and she just thought, like, Matt wasn't answering her. But I feel like she doesn't have... The only regret that she has is that she went on that orchestra tour because she saw that magazine article. But why would she think that magazine article wasn't true? 100%. Why isn't it a magazine? Like, I'm sorry, if it's published... What's this fake news? If it's published... Fake news. Then it's true. Fake news. I know, but it's just like... She's taking one piece of fodder and letting it dictate the rest of her life. Like, she's not going to just try to talk to him before she makes this abrupt life-changing decision. Literally, like, maybe just when when you do get him on the phone or anything, she's like, hey, like, is this true what I read like that's yeah, it yeah but take it in conjunction with the fact that she called his mom and the mom was like I've heard I from agree, him Dana. once a week so like then you just get into she was panic in- mode yeah she was embarrassed like 
she was embarrassing herself at that point in her own head. Like she was there waiting for him. She turned down the opportunity of a lifetime. He's running around. He can barely call her, which she was okay with until she found out he could call her mom. Then it turns out that he can call his mom because he's collect calling her, um, which I remember from back in the day when we used to go to camp, like we used to collect call our parents so that they would have to pay for the call. Right. Because like we didn't have coins and Grace couldn't pay for the call. And I'm sure, like, you can't do collect calls through but the senior house. could he have house. given a message to his mom to give to Grace? Like, Grace yeah, yeah. called the mom so the annoying. mom could have mentioned. Like, hey, oh, yeah, by the way, mom, Grace. The mom ruined the relationship. Yeah, yeah. the mom, the mom really she was such a supporter. I know, and she was such a supporter. She obviously didn't know what she was doing. And then she wound up with a daughter-in-law who took a shit in the soul of this family. <laughs> that was the best line of the entire book. Yes. I know, Monica really coming through when you least expect it. Oh my god! Oh my I god! Yeah, that. I love talk about character development, man. I love 100%. that a hundred percent. It's like fifteen years ago, she was just like your brother's annoying, obnoxious girlfriend and your, your ex girlfriend. And fifteen years later, and fifteen years later, she's still annoying and obnoxious, but she's your family, and she's gonna use that obnoxiousness to have your back. She yeah. was loved killing love that. me at the Christmas lunch when she first walked in and was like oh you're Matt's type and then she was like is this the girl you gave money to like she was savage at that lunch oh my god she is a (laughs) savage but you know what she was married to Alexander for 15 years eventually so like Mm -hmm. she she knew what she wanted I actually felt that Alexander's absence during that last part was kind of weird like he really should have been there and like yes Monica should have been there as well but Alexander definitely should have been there or they should have at least had a conversation because when Matt called Alexander being like hey I have a daughter like he never called him back yeah I think it was just because you know not everything is perfect like him and his brother aren't gonna be you know best of friends and it's not all just gonna go away but when push came to shove like and Alexander's not gonna put his career on the back burner that's always been his number one priority push comes to shove though like Monica's taking that bassinet and and that's the best that they can do and we'll take it and it also gave Matt and Monica an opportunity to reconcile which they they might not have seen because also she was really the beef between them so I think if it's okay between Matt and Monica then it would be okay between Matt and Alexander eventually yeah I don't know Okay, let's get into some DBQs. Are you guys ready for it? Mm-hmm. Ready for it. Okay, Boom. the first is just a logistical DBQ that I had, um, a question. Grace and Matt are able to reconnect through the misconnections uh, section of Craigslist. I've heard of misconnections, but is this a real thing that people do? Like, they walk down the street and then they go on Craigslist and write their misconnection. And does it sync people up? Yeah. I don't know if it syncs people up, but it's definitely something that people do. I honestly think that we had misconnections at Colgate. Like... You could write it in the Colgate newspaper. What was it called? Um, The Colgate newspaper. The Maroon? Yeah, Maroon Maroon News. News. Yeah, wow. I mean, that makes perfect sense for a place like Colgate because it's 2,000 people. But, like, in New York City, what are the odds? I know. I I think it's so freaking random, but who am I to judge, you know? I, I feel like so many apps have tried to capitalize on misconnections, like, where you can, like... Like, if you have a misconnection, you go on this app and, like, you write it and you, like, plug where you were, the location, and then, like, someone else has to get on the app and, like, you can But at the end of the day, like, that's never going to work out in this time because it's just safety, you know? I just felt like he could have maybe made a Facebook or an Instagram for the sheer sake of finding her and, like, looked up her name that way. Oh, I will actually... 
the porn sake porter thing really was yeah. a really good explanation as to why he could not find her. That's I know. true. I don't know. For the whole, for some reason, out of the whole book, the thing that seemed most unrealistic to me was the missed connections. Yeah, yeah I just I could like I it. couldn't buy it, and I felt like he could have found her another way with it being realistic. Yeah, especially because they eventually lived like three blocks from one another. Okay. Oh, yeah. By the way, the fact that they finally see each other in the subway and like it's a missed connection, whatever, but they actually live three blocks away from each other. If you live three blocks from someone in the city, like for a decent amount of time, you are bound to see them. I'm sorry. Well, also her best also, friend. I don't know. I, I, don't even see my, I don't even see the people who live on my floor. You know? But if you knew them, you would see them. But what my thought Maybe. was that the doors of the subway were closing and like they saw each other and she was like mad and like she saw him running after her. Like it was clearly like we gotta get in touch. And she just never tried. She he's right. famous. Like she can find him. And I'm not gonna put it on her because she seemingly tried in the past and like it was yeah. ghost city. So she's like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm done trying. But, like, after that yeah. feat of desperation of him, like, trying to, like, return the subway, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe time, time to try again. Agreed. Like, after you seeing him desperate to see you and catch you, and you have a kid together and he doesn't know about it, like, maybe just one last shot. But she thinks that he knows. She thinks that he's been getting her letters and that he ignored her. And so why would she follow up with this guy? Like, even if he's ignoring all of that. why would he be running that, after he, her? Oh, yeah. I don't know. You could have just Googled Tatiana Cellist because that was totally. her best friend. And that's a unique name. Like, do some sleuthing. Mutual he friends could, of Tatiana. He could have tried, a, like, a little bit harder. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, he's, like, an 80s kid. Like, he's not so savvy like you guys. True. He's 36. I guess. Okay. Next question. We touched on this a little bit, but in the end, Grace and Matt get a happy ending and a happy family. Do you think this would have happened if everything went according to plan 15 years before? See, I don't we know. sort of talked about this. We I, I, personally, like, I want to hear hard answers for everyone. I'm going to say no. Oh, I'm going to say 100% yes. They were so freaking in love and it infuriated me that it didn't happen 15 years earlier. Like, they're in it for the long haul. Agreed. I'm going to say they would have stayed together, but it would have been unhappy. It would have been unhappy. He wouldn't have a Pulitzer. He would always, like, think, what if, if he could go there, if he could be there instead of, he would have resented, like, even Ash, I think. But he got to live out his dreams and then come and have this amazing family. And for the rest of his life, he's going to appreciate them because he missed so much time with them. No, of course. Like like I said, it's best case scenario. Now they're definitely going to be happy for the long run. But I think that they still would have been together either way. But this is just the, setting them up for success the most. I loved when she was like, what yeah, would you do yeah, this if is... I asked you to stay? And he got mad and he was like, I would stay, but I would hate you for it. And I thought that Which was such like... Yeah, and he had that yeah. foresight to know. She she was getting a little crazy right there. Like yeah. she was yeah. She was just like yeah. she's she never gonna ask Yeah. She was never gonna ask. He, no, but like so then why ask that question? Yeah, just like, to know that he would and chill. No, but like you know that he loves you so much and this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, like who even knew National Geographic did this? Like Dude, She needed some validation. Just, she was insecure. She just needed she needed to chill, like it's just a, a one iota of chill. <laughs> Okay, next up, uh, 
Matt chose to go to South America after graduation. He chose his career at that point over love. Do you agree with his decision? And conversely, do you agree with Grace's initial decision not to join Porn Sakes Orchestra because of Matt? How were you feeling when she was adamant about not going? Because as we know, she wanted to be there when Matt got back. Snatchler? Okay. I absolutely agreed with Matt going to South Africa. Like, I'm sorry. Like, as someone who's post-grad, like, an opportunity like that doesn't come along every day. So, like, if you get that, like, you're going to fucking take it. Also, bear in mind it was for two months. Like, it's not that big of a deal. So that I agreed with. But her turning down the tour, it's like, I understood it in the sense, not because of Matt, but also because it's a huge commitment. It's a year and a half. Like, it's like a European tour. You literally just graduated college. Like, I get that. But because because it was because of Matt, that... I didn't like that. Yeah, I feel like she could have been making that decision regardless of Matt. Like, who wants to give up a year and a half in your life? What is this orchestra? Is it prestigious? Where are we playing? He just like, started Where are we it. staying? Yeah, he's just, like, a young, apparently, professor. And he got into grad... She got into grad school. So, like, she had a plan. Yeah. I would not take the fact that she immediately went when she found out about Matt as evidence that she would have gone all along if she never met met Matt. Like, I agree. I think that there were so many other factors at play besides him. She was poor. She wanted to go to grad school. Like, that ultimate decision to go was out of heartache, not because it was what she wanted to do all along and then it was being prevented. Yeah. yeah. She's just like, I need to get yeah. the fuck out of here. Like, I thought it was a little yeah, harsh may- of Tati to just put the onus on Matt as the rationale behind Grace's decision to not go on this tour like I thought that there was a little bit more of a story I thought that I hated the way that Tati was acting during that like those last few weeks like when she ruined that great day that Grace had planned for all of them like I didn't understand her behavior like her attitude it was just so much and it's like what are you doing also why are you betting that they get married like that whole thing was so that was so weird such a a stretch such a stretch oh my god yeah but ultimately yeah okay next oh I'm sorry continue no no go on ultimately I was just gonna say I fully agreed with his decision it would have been psychotic for him not to take the opportunity like he went from USC to NYU for the purposes of pursuing photography he left his family in California for the purposes of photography like this is clearly an opportunity that he's been searching long and hard for and National Geographic was the apple of his eye and he should pursue it done hundred thousand percent um so last dbq before we get into the redhead questions which there are many but this book had a lot of us redheads podcast hosts and listeners in tears what parts made you the most emotional i'm gonna start with snitch okay the part that honestly made me so emotional was the end when it was ash doing the last chapter like i saw her name and i was just like oh man like that's nuts and i just was crying the whole time i wish that her chapter had been a bit longer Wow. I like almost Dana? didn't I almost didn't like the present once we got back. Like I wanted to stay in the past. Like it got so complicated when they connected and then he thought it was gonna be amazing, but then he found out he had a kid and then he hated Grace, but then he liked Grace, and then he was best friends with the kid and then he was gonna go away again, but then he wasn't. Like I almost wish they'd left it as this idyllic thing, which is why I contest the argument that the book didn't give us enough at the end. Like I thought it gave us too much. Like cut it when things are good. Like now it's just weird. But the part, the part that easily tore at my heartstring the most was when she called the mom and was like, have you heard from Matt? And the mom was like, every single week, like, what's wrong? <laughs> like, that killed me. That's when I yeah. lost it. I was like, just, just that feeling of, like, it all coming to light. Even though she was wrong, think about how she felt We that didn't moment. know that then. Yeah, we didn't know that yeah. then. And just, like, that has to be the most suffocating feeling. Yeah. yeah. One, 100%. Bex? I don't cry in books, really. I don't really cry in movies. It gets hard for me to emote during these types of encounters, so I didn't cry. 
just want to put it out there. However, <laughs> I felt things like heartstrings were tugged from time to time. And I would say that the part that most resonated with me that I connected with the most and like could picture similarly to D was after they like got drunkenly married the first time and they spiraled into that loaded fight. And it was obviously so many issues boiling over, like watching that play out was like upsetting. Cause I was like, no, like there's so many miscommunications. Like you can get ahead of this. Like you can handle this. Like, please don't let it break you. That was really stressful to see. And the, the wedge that was driven between them, I was like, don't let it be strong. And then when like Grace talked about how much weight she lost and when she had all these compounding issues of like her family and the money situation and the letter from her mother, I was like, my heart was breaking in a million pieces for Grace in that moment. She had the weight of the world on her shoulders and I just really felt for her. And I just don't think that anybody should have to deal with so much at once in like such like a high pressure time in someone's life and like a pivotal moment. Yeah. So, oh God, like it's just like so much. Yeah, totally. Um, I did not, like, I don't think a tear rolled down my face at any point. You said but you I got misty. a little, I, I was about to say, I got a little misty uh, twice. The first and the more mistier encounter was when uh, Grace and Matt, like, in the future, they had just spent the night together. And then Grace was telling Matt all about Ash's life up until this point and, like, how porn's sake was, like, such a great dad. And, like, Matt was hearing about the last 15 years in his daughter's life and, like, the way that Dan uh, eventually died and just, like, one being so sad that every that like the girls had to go through this without their without Matt and just like being so grateful for Dan and being so sad that Dan died and it was just and then at the same time I was listening to my Quarantine's playlist which is the, a really great reading playlist and the song In Case You Don't Live Forever by Ben Platt came on and it was just like it was a lot it sent me you know Wait, it was a lot can we talk about Dan for a sec because like I would I love just found to it so weird that they like ended up together because like I saw him as a creep I agree I was well I think it's porn sake <laughs> is it no, is there an you're lying. Lying. Oh, kidding. Oh, it's like, gross <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I agree Margo like when they were at the diner and he was like I'm not trying to sleep with you well maybe a little like he was a creeper but then he paid for her so I thought he was like gonna end differently and not him no being a but guy. when he paid for her bow I was like stop like don't say that's it. what I mean like he paid for her and I was like ew and then he ended up being a nice guy that like she I needed a bow <laughs> no Jack she could have found one Jack do you ask no, us no. to talk about like which passages we highlighted and which passages surprised us and I was like mm-hmm. I throughout many books I highlight when I'm shocked and when I read Miss Porter on the page, I highlighted because my jaw dropped to the ground. I was like, <laughs> she really married her creepy professor? Are we kidding? And then I was like, she got hoodwinked. She was bamboozled. She had a wolf pulled over her eyes. She was, she was swindled. She, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like until she we knew that she married porn sake, I just kind of assumed he was a creepy professor. But he never really did anything creepy other than want the best for her buy her a cello bow and like take her to dinner and tell her that he didn't not not want to have sex with her um and then obviously considering she married him and like what we knew afterwards like everything with context in hindsight like it turns out he was actually a really nice guy and I think she was just a fabulous girl and can you blame him he must have not been so much older than her and they waited until after she graduated so 
Yeah, he was like, I think then if his name wasn't porn sake and he was just like her professor, her but cello professor, I think point. we might think of him differently. It's like his name was porn sake. Like they were setting him up to be a creep. So then how all of a sudden are we supposed to do this 180 of he's a gentleman? She did recount after their dinner that, like, once she relaxed and started talking to him, she was charmed and she could see how she'd be attracted to him. Like, she was not totally disgusted by him the whole time. She was, like, a little put out that he was, like, giving her so much attention. But it wasn't like she had these creepy vibes the whole story. Yeah. I agree. Kind of. And then, ultimately, we know why she married him, because he was so good to her and there for her. And her, the baby. I just have to say, I did not see the baby coming, and I usually do. Like, when she threw up, I was like, oh, she's totally pregnant. But then I just forgot. I just forgot about it. Agreed. 100%. I completely agree. I did not see it coming at all. And I, what I did see coming, I was like, she could have a child with Dan. Because they didn't talk about it. He was like, are you married? (laughs) Where do you live? Who are you? But he never was like, do you have kids? So, the baby I saw coming... The fact that it was his, mm-mm, surprise. Yeah. yeah. Loved it. Yeah, I was shook to the core. And when she did throw up, I was like, oh, she's pregnant. And then for some reason, it just completely slipped Slip my, my mind. mind until he was walking down the hallway. And I was like, uh Wait, when did she throw up? Yeah, I don't remember that either. Uh, right after, I think it was either right after Matt left, she was like sitting on a bench with porn sake. Oh, right, right, right. And she just like, she smelled some deli meats and she was over the can. Yeah. You're right. And then the chapter ended like that and... Then it was 15 years in the future, and so, like, we just forgot. Exactly. Okay, so now I want to get into some redhead questions because they're asking the good questions. One, did you want Grace and Matt to get back together? This person did not want them to at the end. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Why are we reading this book? (laughs) From the bottom of my heart, I need them together. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, now we have a lot of, like, logistical questions from people. Whose fault was it that Matt didn't know about Ash? Is it his fault for not getting back to her? Or should have should Grace have tried harder and make sure that he knew? She didn't know where he worked. It was Elizabeth. And yeah, but I do, th- I do think that Grace, like, if you call someone and you write them once a year telling them that you have a child, 15 years later, you expect that they know that, you know? I think right. Matt didn't try at all, though. Like, he didn't even attempt once to locate no, her. No, he didn't try at all. Yeah, yeah, that I'm, I thought was weird because he loved her so much that it broke up his marriage, yet he didn't even try to get in contact with the girl. Oh, it's yeah. such a hard one. It was such but a he, clusterfuck of miscommunication. And you you get angry at Matt towards the end of the, the back half of the book when he's so angry at Grace that it it wrecks every decision that he makes and he like can't see through his anger to like try and make amends with her when you're like no you already wasted so much time like you need to get back together but then you're like you have to understand like it's not fully only her fault or only Elizabeth's fault like this is like a group effort of a fuck up yeah yeah this is a group effort for of a fuck up so do you think that Elizabeth knew about Ash and hid it from Matt do you think she read any one of those letters Yes. So, I think it's I so know. easy. Like, honestly, I think Elizabeth is is obviously the villain here. I think it's so easy to blame the whole fuck up on her. But I don't think she could be so one-dimensional where it's like she knew that he had a child and held it from her. But I think even getting a letter once a year and withholding that, like, she knew that there was something there. This woman, Grace, isn't writing to her college boyfriend 15 years later for no reason. Yeah. I don't know. I really just but placed she, the blame squarely on Matt. Like, not once throughout it, he couldn't have tried to find her. Like, 
even for closure if he's, he thought she really just abandoned him. Like, he didn't try at all. That's true, and she he did. Sa- he said that when he got back, um, I, I guess she was already with the orchestra. So she wasn't coming back for another year and a half. You know, I don't want to hear about what he tried to do when he got back from South Africa. I'm talking about during the 15 years that passed by. Yeah. But then he was with Elizabeth already. But then their relationship ended because of Grace, and he still didn't even try. Yeah. We're curious about your thoughts about Elizabeth. Uh, This reader doesn't feel like she was developed enough, so she found it hard to believe that Elizabeth did the things that she did. I would love to have be, uh, be inside her head a little bit more or learn more about her story. How do you I, feel about that? I agree with that. That makes sense. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to like actually get a, like a chapter from her perspective because no. like get out of here, you're irrelevant. But somehow I would like to know exactly what she knew and didn't. Yeah, know. but I think no, it was purposely that. left elusive because I don't think like there I think we're all supposed to kind of be confused about how this played out. And if we better understood Elizabeth, I feel like we would have better understood her intention or her malintent, and it would have given us more clarity, where it's like, I think the author's intention was to be like, how do you think morality works, and how do you think decision-making works? Like, how do you think, like, mature adulthood and the way that you can get angry at people works? Like, I feel like she was purposely left vague. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have wanted that either. I feel like the book intentionally only went into depth and highlighted Matt and Grace, and that's why it worked so well. Like, no other character was really developed, and that's what I liked about it. Yeah. Well, so what would you have done if you were in Elizabeth's position and you were married to this person and you were getting all these letters? Would you share the letters even though you knew it would ruin your relationship? I would read them first. And then share them. Just because, like, he might not tell you what's in them. So, like, I would want to know for myself. Mm. Um, but I yeah. would definitely give I, them. I couldn't, like, live with, you know, not reading them. Like, curiosity killed the cat. Yeah, no, I would have to read them. So, I can't believe, like, I don't know if I believe that she didn't read not one of them. I know, this, like, brings me back. once you read them, once you read them and you know that he is a child, you absolutely tell him, like, there's no... Only the worst kind of person doesn't tell. Right? Totally. It brings me back to Husband's Secret when I was like, oh, I absolutely would not tell my husband or like whatever <laughs> it was. Read, read the letter. Yeah. I was like, no. So if I got <laughs> those letters, it didn't even strike me that like I could read them before I gave it to him. Like if I knew that there was a baby involved, I would tell because like I don't think I could live with myself. But, like, if it was just, like, an ex-girlfriend reaching out to, like, stay in touch, like, fuck no. You are not getting those letters. You don't need to know that there's, like, a beautiful lady out there awaiting oh, yeah. you. If you if they were just, yeah. like, love letters, I would just be like... I don't know. I feel like my crazy psyche would pick up on that way far in advance. Like Elizabeth seemed, but as opposed to, like, her reaction where she ignores it and just, like, pretends that he's not in love with Grace, I would be like, you're still in love with your ex. Like, tell me that you're not. And then nip it in the bud early enough that if the reality was he was, I wouldn't proceed with the marriage. Yeah. And then yeah. if I got a letter... Yeah, that's was, true. Yeah. Right, because why would you want to be with someone who ultimately, like, isn't your, you're not their first choice? Right, right. Like, she, Elizabeth seems, like, fabulous enough. Like, people like her. She's cute. Like, why is she with this guy who's not, like, m- m- mentally and emotionally with her? You know? That's how yeah. I felt. Like, what was she getting out of that? How was that satisfactory when she claims to know all, the whole time that he was in love with Grace? Yeah, because yeah. she true. was described as someone who was like, she gets what she wants. She wanted Matt. She made it happen for herself. And then like she wanted a baby. Matt was not available. So she made it happen for herself. 
Yeah. Yeah. I guess so she is, like, that But then like maybe that at savage. that point, when you get, like, when you cheat on Matt, you give him the letters as some sort, <laughs> sort of solace yeah. or closure. Yeah, that scene when um, Matt gets the call from Grace in his cubicle, like the one that he's been waiting for. Oh, my God. And Elizabeth is standing over him, <laughs> and he's screaming at her. I was, like, I was freaking out because I was, like, what is he going to do? And I loved that he was just, like, it's Grace, leave. Yeah. And she's, like, you're <laughs> in touch with she Grace? Was like, she was, like, you're in touch with Grace. And he was, like, I wasn't until now. <laughs> leave. Oh that God. was an That's insane so scene. Do you guys ever feel like when it's a female author, like writing from a male's perspective, that it's like not totally male? I even saw in the last book that we read, a lot of people were complaining that like Kevin Wilson, they didn't feel like his uh, writing from the female perspective was like from an actual, like the female psyche. Do you ever like feel that when you're reading books from an author and they're representing a different gender? That's a great question. I've never thought of it, but probably... I think it might I work the class. I actually yeah, better that way. I, I thought I'm just going to let Dana I thought, about it a li- <laughs> I thought about it a little bit in this book when, like, we, we kick off with Matt, and he's just, like, very in touch with himself. And I just think of guys as being, like, food, beer, girl. Sex. You know? like, yeah, I got that <laughs> I know too. He was very confident. You but know, he, like, I just, I don't believe that guys like Matt exist, you know? Like, especially, like, yes. as a senior at NYU, like, they're just, like, not that in touch or that smart or that vulnerable. Yes, and to know to take the bottle of Prosecco from your girlfriend's hands because your parents are, your family's going to roast you about it. Right. Like, you know? Yeah. He knew what to do about everything. Everything. Like, there wasn't a time where you weren't so impressed by his ability as a human being. You know, like, and like yeah. not That's one. superpower for men. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah. I feel like the one scene where he, the author tried to make him be a real man was so caricatured when he was like, body shots, and then started making out with the girl. It was oh, like yeah. so <laughs> cringeworthy. That was yeah. so weird. But it's like the Matt that we know who's like perfect and intuitive would never even do that. And he like made out with that girl. That yeah. Night. That was yeah. Like not cool. Yeah, that was really Yeah, that cool. was crazy. Okay, next question. After Matt found out about Ash and was angry with Grace for missing Ash's childhood, do you think he viewed slash loved, do you think how he loved and viewed Grace changed? It seemed that throughout the book he was head over heels in love with Grace and put her on a pedestal, and that seemed to change after finding out about Ash. Obviously, he still loved her, but his demeanor towards her seemed to change a lot. Do you agree with that? I do. I, I just feel like he didn't know what to do with all the anger that he felt, so he just decided to place it on Grace because he didn't know where else to put it. Um, and I feel like after, yeah. like, receiving just such life-changing news, like, you just can't help how you react at that point. Yeah, and I feel like anger is not an emotion he ever felt toward Grace. Like, he had felt, like, love and, and heartbreak, and, you know, she was just, like, this perfect little thing that he put up on a pedestal, and she had never really messed up. She went to the orchestra, but, like, that was just, he assumed him her not choosing him, but, like, he had never been so angry with her, and then, so I think... I think that also brought their relationship down to, like, you know, reality. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Sweet. Glad we all can agree. Well said. Okay. On the cover of the book, it says that this book is a love-hate love story. Do you think Grace and Matt ever actually hated each other? No. I personally think they always loved each other, says the reader. That's a really good question. I don't think it was a love-hate love story. No. Not at all. Me neither. I, I never understood why it said that on the cover. Yeah, I mean, it's a good, it's a catchy phrase, but that's not what this kind is. Kind of misleading. And it's interesting. Yeah, in the, um, in the Craigslist ad, which, I mean, became sort of the uh, motto 
for the book where it talks about like before we were friends they go from like friends to lovers to just strangers I feel like that concept of like being everything to someone and then absolutely nothing to them is so interesting Mm -hmm. oh my god it's mind-boggling. Truly. It's mind-boggling. Like how, you can mean, how you can mean so much to someone and, like, talk to them every second, every day, and then all of a sudden it's just like, nope. It, yeah. It's such and it's a like you haven't changed, And you haven't changed and they haven't changed, and you're just, like, choosing to, like, live without them. What do you think the it's title interesting. means before we were strangers? So, like, the 15 Bef- years is the strangers part. Yes, so, like, this is what happened before we became strangers. I actually thought the title, when I heard the title of the book, I was like, what does this mean? I couldn't understand, fathom what it would be about, but it's exactly what it is. Yeah, they no, became I think strangers. it's a brilliant, beyond brilliant title. <laughs> I, I agree. they reference it in the book at one point. I yeah, think they um, do. Yeah, I think they do, too, but I'm not sure when. That's funny, I don't remember yes. it being referenced. I just know, I think it was just a, the title of a chapter. No, like, I'm just such a loser like that. Like, when I hear, like, the name of a song in a song, I'm like... <laughs> Normally, I am, so when, too. <laughs> so, when I read yeah. it, I was like, oh. Then I must be true, snitch. Okay. <laughs> Love that. Next question. What were your thoughts on the fourth movement written by Ash? Did you feel like you wanted to hear from her and have things wrapped up so nicely, or was it unnecessary? I didn't feel one way or another. It happened, and I embraced it. I didn't expect it, but I thought it was such an exciting treat. Like, why not, Why shouldn't we hear from Ash, this very emotionally mature young woman who is a big part of this book? I'd love to hear what she thinks. I thought it was brilliant. I really did. I didn't see it coming. And then I was just like, oh, yeah. And also, it's like a fresh perspective, but not too much that they're introducing her as, like, a new character. It's just, like, a way to end the book, hearing from Ash as to, like, what happened and how things ended. And we've been hearing from Matt and Grace, and now we're hearing from the culmination of Matt and Grace. Yeah. We sure are. Dana? It was corny, and I usually don't like such (laughs) corny bow-tied endings, but given the book was so good and everyone was rooting for the happy ending, including me, I have to say I liked it. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad. I agree. Next question. Were you frustrated that the whole crux of the book was a misunderstanding, one that could arguably have been easily avoided? Like, why didn't Grace just talk to Matt's mom about her worries instead of running off to Europe? What are your thoughts on the logistics of it all? And eventually, yes, is it frustrating that this entire book and like 15 years were wasted because of a misunderstanding? Yes. Yes. It's It's frustrating. Oh my God. (laughs) It felt like the movie Serendipity when they're just continuously miss each other. Yes. It was frustrating. From a logistics standpoint, you just want to scream because as the question poses, there were so many opportunities for them to reconnect. Yeah. And I feel like that is like my hesitation with being above and beyond obsessed with this book is like there were just a few moments when I was like, this is purposefully complicating our our storyline so that we have a storyline. And like sometimes Mm -hmm. it's, like, I don't, I am not, like, this is not fully above board. Like, I want, I want things to really play out the way that they would in reality. But I understand they why. Needed cell phones. Phones. <laughs> they needed cell phones. They needed cell phones. They yeah, really did. But they had phones. Like, it was 1997. Like, it wasn't 1950. Right. You yeah. know? So, like, it was almost there. It's really frustrating. I feel like this whole story could have been different if, like, there was Instagram. And they would have been, you know, oh, keeping in touch time. every single day. Yeah. You know? Okay, next question. If you guys had to come up with a different ending for this book, what would it be? If you wanted to. Or would you keep the ending as is? 
I actually think it was a little bit too tied up that Dan had died. I think it, I thought the same thing. I'm thinking to myself, thank God Dan is dead. Right. Yeah. So I think you know? it could have been interesting to read if Dan hadn't died and then to have seen what Grace would have done in that situation. I agree. I don't know. Totally. I almost wish they didn't have a kid. Like, I wish they could have just met and it would have been easy and then they could have had their first kid. Yeah. I mean, I like, it really sucked for Matt that he missed Ash's childhood. Like, that blows. Yeah. So sad. But I, I, agree, I agree with Snitch. Like, I'm so glad that they have this happy ending and I love a happy ending, but it would have been interesting if Dan were alive and Grace had to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Uh, okay, last question. Can you guys suggest similar books and shows to Before We Were Strangers? I absolutely love a good young and in love in the city story and was hoping for some show and book recommendations similar to the story. I feel like this is mostly a question for Snitch. Um, do you know of any books similar to this? To me, the book that I thought was most similar just in like the conceptual way is One Day in December yeah, by Josie Silver. Because it's kind of about like misconnections and like years of that cat and mouse sort of chase. Yeah, um, I would say and, anything by Josie Silver, Ellen Hildebrand, Colleen Hoover, or, yeah, I think that'll, that'll cover I would say a lot of people. Also, what anything you say by best? Jojo Moyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Like, One Plus One, Me Before You, After You. Those books are so, so good. She's one of my oh, favorite authors. Oh, the After authors. Series. You have to be a little, you can't be, like, 30 to, and read the After Series, though. It's that, like because how how old are they? They're like in college. It's like way too tweeny, and there's a movie about it, and it's just like so cringy. Like you have to be. I watched to the movie. Yeah, it's very young. Also, people were saying that this book reminded them of Love Rosie. I didn't read the book, but I watched the movie, so I know the plot. And I didn't think that once at all. But I guess it is kind of similar. But I felt that Love Rosie was very frustrating. But I didn't feel so frustrated by this book. But I believe actually that. If this book became a movie, they would make it so frustrating. Like, I could see how they would do that. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. Maybe if I read Love, Rosie, I would feel differently. Okay, well, before... No, you don't even want this suggestion. It's the opposite of Young and Love in the City, but my favorite (laughs) movie in the world is The Butterfly Effect, and the reason it overlaps is because the past informs the present so much. Like, it's all about how what you do in the past affects what your future looks like. So if you liked that part of the book, it'd be a great movie transition, but like not I've, in terms of lightness. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen it. Oh, I don't think that. I mean, I feel like I would know if I had. You would. But I felt like I had because it's so familiar to me. But it's I familiar to you because Dana's obsessed with it. And because <laughs> yeah. Ashton Kutcher came to Colgate to speak, and that was like the blow-up movie poster behind him. Oh, interesting. Okay, I'll check it out. Before we talk more movie stuff and we cast this book, I want to know what do you think is the moral of this story? Ooh. Follow your heart. Love conquers all. I feel like that's always, that's always the moral. Like, love conquers all. Love wins. Love is where everything will work out in the end if it's meant to be. If it's meant to be, it'll be. Love is worth fighting for. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's more so that, like, working out in the end thinks. I think... Ultimately, this book hinges on the fact that they saw each other on the subway, and like that part is fate, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was totally so, fate. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, next up, a segment that we haven't done yet on this show, but I'm really curious to do is a Kindle highlight section. If you use a Kindle, you know that you can highlight certain passages that speak to you or make you laugh. Um, they also show you passages that are popularly highlighted. And so I want to know what passages, what some of your favorite passages were that you did highlight. Also, we've never really spoken about Kindle highlights, but do you guys ever feel like you have to highlight something because everyone else has highlighted it. Yeah, Like, because they show you what's a popular highlight. I don't use the lo- feature, actually. I love seeing the popular highlights because it, it reinforces a passage that I should take to heart more. So I appreciate them, but I don't feel That's the true. pressure to double highlight. No, Jax, do you? But I, um, sometimes, because I'm like, oh yeah, that is a good thing. I should highlight that. But then I wonder, would I have ever stopped to highlight this if it wasn't underlined. Do you ever get so annoyed though with the things that are highlighted that are so yes. cliche and you're like, oh losers. my gosh. Like all you thought this time. was noteworthy. Oh my God. That is all the so time. funny. I'm like, this but is so funny. Like, no, honestly. And maybe that just that's is, so or like in nothing to see here. Maybe parenting is just trying a bunch of things and seeing what sticks. It's like, that's <laughs> not a good quote. <laughs> Why do all of you like it? That is so funny. Okay, so what were some of your favorite um, standout quotes? Um, I only, I said the one that I had highlighted and I only have one other. Um, adults always say how complicated how complicated life gets as we age, but really I think we just look for bigger challenges to overcome. thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's nice. That is true though. Adults are so complicated. I use my highlights as a way for me to kind of a, Passages that piqued my interest that I feel like would be good discussion points. Um, That's smart. So, like, I highlighted a lot of passages that I felt were very abrupt. Um, Like, just, like, certain transitions that I was like, huh? Like, how did we get here? Um, Yeah. Like, like when all of a sudden she was like, I want you to photograph me. And then, like, she was just naked. Like, 30 seconds (laughs) later. I was like, wait. You have, like, hardly kissed a boy in your entire life, and, like, you clearly, like, are thinking through, like, the fact that you're a virgin, and it's, like, very important to you, and, like, here we are. Like, you're naked. It was a problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like I... Oh, do you have anything else? Um, another thing that I highlighted was after he realized that he was a father... He was saying that the anger I felt toward Grace and Elizabeth was boiling inside of me. I felt powerless as if these two women had decided my entire adult life without me. And I was like, damn, that's yeah. real. Yeah, they, they really had. I they thought really it had. was interesting the part when they're like having this stupid marriage bet and Tatiana turns to Brandon and was like, you'll marry me, right? And he was so hesitant. And I thought that was just like such a microcosm of their own issues that we as a reader were aware of, but she probably didn't even think twice of his like hesitation. Yeah. Well, I just feel like that's the sort of thing where it's like Brandon was an actual college student and the rest of them are living in fairyland. <laughs> yeah. Because if your girlfriend said to you in college, you'll marry me right now, like you would say good. Good day, sir. I also highlighted in my head the parts where they got tattoos. I thought that was really interesting. I feel like people only get tattoos when they're insecure about their relationship not being solid, ironically, to what a tattoo is supposed to stand for. So in their hearts, they knew, like, oh, shit might go down once I leave. Let's commemorate this to, like, have something to remember it by. And the fact that they kept it all those years was interesting. But I just thought that was a, a good passage. 
I love the tattoos. I loved the idea of them getting tattoos. I love that they chose for one another. I loved what they chose. And I love that eventually it's the reason why they reconnected because she had the tattoo yeah. on her neck and the students saw it. And the fact that they kept it, like, one, that they never got rid of it, like, showing that they never got over each other. And two, like, I think Matt especially, like, loved having a piece of grace with him, like, wherever he went. Yeah. Um... So I typically highlight things that like just speak to me or just profound. And so I was actually, I've never gone through all of my highlights, but I did to like get to the end to see what I highlighted for this book. And like they're, they're just chock full of life lessons. Like I, I never look back at what I highlighted on a book, but I was just going through all the books and my highlights. I was like, this is poetry. It's like such good, like good, just pull quotes. Um, and I think ultimately the best quote of the book, which isn't even from Renee Carlino, yeah. but it's that Leonard Cohn, the Leonard Cohn quote that really dictates a lot of this book and sums it up is poetry is just the evidence of life. If your life is burning well, poetry is just the ash. Yeah. Deep. Uh, deep. I, I really, I like that. I like the respect for Leonard Cohn. Yeah. Me too. In lieu of sponsor for today's episode, we wanted to take a minute to recognize a wonderful nonprofit organization called Reading Partners, which is dedicated to helping children from low-income communities who struggle with reading. Did you know that 36% of fourth graders are reading behind grade level, and students who cannot read at grade level by fourth grade are four times more likely to drop out of high school? Fourth grade is so important because that is the year when students go from learning to read to reading to learn and need reading for all of their other subjects like science, history, and math. The goal of Reading Partners, a national nonprofit organization, is to provide elementary schools with the support they need to read at grade level. In 2019, Reading Partners provided more than 11,000 high-need students nationwide at 214 elementary schools with one-on-one literacy tutoring. With schools closed indefinitely, students are at high risk of falling behind and need our support now more than ever. In these uncertain times, Reading Partners is leading the charge to bring the joy and magic that can only come from reading to students all across the country. They're working to provide literary resources that are accessible now that will set high need students up for a successful summer, but they need our help. Go to readingpartners.org to learn about different ways you can help a student experience the lifelong joy of reading. They're looking for volunteers for the fall so you can give yourself something to look forward to. They're looking for volunteers for schools in California, Colorado, Washington, Minnesota, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Texas, Maryland, New York, and Washington, D.C. Or you can apply to join the AmeriCorps team. You can dedicate a year of your life to service at their Reading Partners New York location where you could be running day-to-day operations of a reading center recruiting volunteers or coaching volunteer tutors or you can just generously donate being mindful of the current macro climate people are constantly asking what they can do from home the answer is to help them reach their fundraising goals to make sure students get these resources as soon as possible every dollar makes a world of difference go to readingpartners.org to learn more okay well now it is time for our favorite segment the hollywood treatment so this one is very fun to cast because we i have tasked all of you with casting young matt and young grace and old matt and old grace and young grace and old grace have to look alike and so do young matt and old matt so it's hard because i wouldn't use the same actor for a 15 year difference i hate when like shows do that and they try and make a 40 year old person look 20 years old or vice versa um, and also, I don't know if any of you guys are watching Little Fires Everywhere, are you? No. No. I'm not. 
Well, they do a flash, a couple flashback episodes where they brought in younger actors to play the current actors, and they did such a good job of finding people who look like the main characters and the mannerisms. I think that even the young actors studied the old actors' like voices because, or they combined them somehow. I, it just made me realize like this can be done. There's no reason why we need to be using like just one actor. So let's start with young Grace. Who do you have playing Young Grace, Becky? I have Lily Reinhardt, and I also had Florence Pugh, I think is her last name, from Little Women and from Midsummer. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we should also give our old Grace, maybe, so we could... Yes, you can put them together. That's a great idea. And for old Grace, I had Diana Agron, Aragon. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good one. I sort of, I peaked inspiration from you, Jax. But after I picked Florence, oh. I was like, who is, like, a, an older version of Florence? And, like, they both have this, like, beautiful, like, youthful, fresh skin that I'm like, okay, I, I see it. That's a good pair. Yeah. Thank you. Snitch. Okay. So, for Young Grace, I had either Christine Froseth. Okay. Or Britt Robertson, because she just, like, would be Grace. And then, yes. for adult Grace, I had Amber Heard. Wow, I love that. Right? I actually love Amber Heard and Christine Froese, but they both need to lighten their hair. Or it could be Amber bit. Heard and Britt Robertson. They would look, they look kind of alike. I don't think there's a big enough age difference between the two of them to yeah. justify casting two different people. I love yeah, Amber Heard. But- Love Amber Heard. Okay, Dana, I'm terrified. <gasps> I know Who she's a little older, but I did Margot Robbie for Young Grace. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Drew Barrymore. To- Betty Davis for Old Grace. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, do you even. How old is Drew Barrymore? She is 45, and, and Margot Robbie is in her 30s. But like, I feel like 29. For Old Grace. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too. Or Margot Robbie for Old Grace. Too hot. That is so funny. Okay, I'm going to give you my picks. For Young Grace, I had two choices. Um, Either Elle Fanning, because I feel like she really has that just like fluttery vibe about her that Grace does. Or Halston Sage, who I just think is so stunning and cool. And I feel like Grace was both of those things. Then for adult Grace, I feel like if it was Elle Fanning, I would cast Kirsten Dunst. Because I think they look alike. They both have that like fairy-like thing about them. And if it was Halston Sage, I would cast either Diana Agron or Kate Bosworth. Okay. Mm. Kate Bosworth, good. Sweet. Okay, let's do young Matt, old Matt. Can I go first? Because I really think I have the grace, the greatest answer. Okay. Well, oh, please like, do. Also, I want to clarify that um, thirty-seven is not old, but just you know, relative oh, to yes, twenty-two, it's young and old. Okay. <laughs> so for young Matt, I had Timothy Chalamet, and for adult Matt, I had Zachary Levi. Okay. I just like don't really enjoy Timothy Chalamet. I, I, it's I just, feel like but like to say he that. would be like photographer or like Cole Sprouse. Mm-hmm. Oh, Cole Sprouse is a good one. Yeah, and they go, went to NYU. Yeah. Okay, Bex, Young Matt, Dave Franco, Old Matt, James Franco. Wow, she wins. Mike drop. What's the eight? What's the age difference? Do you know? No, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's just perfect. I'm not gonna look it up. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to rain on 
uh, the parade here. Dana? Young Matt, Liam Hemsworth. Old Matt, Ben Affleck. Oh my God, you missed an amazing opportunity to do Old Matt, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> but I also, I did think that Ben Affleck would be a good Old Matt also. That's yes. a good one. I had that thought. But he's a little older than 37. I was trying to like really get the age oh, right. right. But that is a good one. And Liam Hemsworth isn't young enough to play a college I know, but now. neither is Margot Robbie, so they would just be like super seniors. Right. So it just be <laughs> super seniors. They'd be grad school students. <laughs> okay, for young Matt, I had Jacob Alordi. Good. Okay. And then for old Matt, I had Robert Pattinson. That's good. Just because I love him and I want to see him on my TV. And he's like artsy and he has a thick head of hair. I really yeah. appreciate we, how much you stuck to the ages. Like, you did the right thing. I, re- I was... I was on famous birthdays, like really trying to get the ages as close as possible to 22 and 37. Um, okay, let, next up, uh, we have Professor Porn Sake. Let's start with Dana. Who did you have? Vince Vaughn. Pretty good, actually. I like that. Becky? <laughs> I had Alan Rickman, who was Professor Snape in Harry Potter. Oh my God. <laughs> And he's also dead. I'm sorry. So <laughs> That's really sad. Oh, my God. I did not think Porn Sake was that much older than them. Well, I just, like, thought he was a creep the entire time. So I was like, who else is a creep? Professor Snape. And, like, yeah, like I just couldn't imagine him being, like, a, a young, strapping gentleman. So I was like, I'm going to make you old, and I'm going to make you kind of freaky. Got it. Snitch? Okay, I had Sam Witwer, who was the professor who killed himself in Riverdale. Oh, that's a good one. I know. That is a good one. I like that. I had Jason Siegel, if he could do some more of a, you know, not comedic role, or Chad Michael Murray, because he's, like, cute but old. I like that yeah. one. Yeah. Wow, those are hot. I feel like Chad, Mike, I think Chad Michael Murray might be too hot for the role. No, but, like, with a mustache and, like, a creepy vibe and a, and a like a an cello Edgar bone, vibe? like... Yeah, yeah, but like he is, attra- like I think he's decently attractive because even when he would come and talk to Grace, everyone kind of assumed like, ooh, maybe there's something going on. Yeah. You know? Okay, next up we have Ash. Who did you cast? I'll start with Snitch this time. I casted um, the one and only Emma Tremblay, aka Jacob Tremblay's older sister. She's 15 years old, and okay. she just seemed perfect for the role. Cutie. Love it. Becky? I casted Kiernan Shipka, a.k.a. a young um, Draper. What is her name? What? Yeah. Um, no, she's a Don Draper's kid. Oh. What, Sally Draper. Sally, Sally Draper. Draper. Sally Draper, however, a teenager, and she's in Let It Snow. She's, like, in a lot of stuff now. She seems sort of edgy, which I also she's felt. She's the Sabrina. Sabrina. Adventures of Sabrina. It's of Sabrina. The Teenage Witch. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Hmm. Super cute. <laughs> Dana? I did Jodie Comer. Have you ever seen Killing Eve? No. Oh, she's Villanelle in it, and she's amazing. And she kind of looks like me. <laughs> and she's 15? She's 15? Probably not. She's 49. Oh God, I'm going to look. Yeah, 15 plus 20. <laughs> she's 27. She could be playing Old Grace, okay? <laughs> I can't. Okay, um, for Ash, I did Megan Stott, who plays Izzy in Little Fires Everywhere, which you guys don't watch, but if you did, 
uh, she is, Ash. Like, she's got, she's got that spunky attitude, and she's so cute. And she looks like she could be the child of any of the actors that we had named. Then our final casting is Elizabeth. And we're doing um, old Elizabeth only. Oh, yeah, I only have one. Elizabeth. Me too. I'll go first. I did Sophia Bush because Elizabeth is supposed to be, like, beautiful. And obviously, like, Matt loved her at one point. I think Sophia Bush can be, like, ambiguously good or not good you know yeah I think that's a great like, she hasn't she has a nice face but I feel like she could play like a mean girl yeah I, I did Allison Bex? Williams Ooh, Be- that's a really good one because I felt similarly to your selection Jax I was like I feel like sometimes she's a little bit of a villain like kind of has a, a nasty side but like can be a sweetheart too and in girls when she was um, in the show, I felt like she had some streaks of, like, pulling some fucked up shit. Totally. Dana? I did Angelina Jolie. Snitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I did Catherine McPhee. You know what? I had the same thought about her. Like, the way she's described physically, she definitely looks like Catherine McPhee. And I, I feel like Catherine McPhee could either be a sweetheart or a villain. So I really, I, th- mm-hmm. I think that that's the perfect choice. I see it. I completely agree. Yeah. Love it. Okay, well, that's the movie. I hope they make it one day. Um, if anyone listening to this is in that sort of business, I think this would be a fabulous movie. I really do. I think so, too. Okay, so that is our recap, and now it is time to rate the book. Is everyone ready? Everyone has their ratings? I'm going to let Snitch go first because, as we know, this was a Snitch's choice. I'm Snitch. gonna give it a five. Wow. Wow. I'm gonna wow. give it a five. A little biased. Any explanation? Are we? No, no, no. Like, out those fives? It, it's just a fiver. Love it. Okay, Bex? I'm gonna give it a 4.5. Strong choice. Mm-hmm. Just a few things missing for me, but I loved it. Okay. I'm just gonna piggyback off of you, Bex, because I also gave it a 4.5. Because it was a strong choice, but there were a few things missing for me. Um, but I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Dana? 4.4. 4. Okay. <laughs> I loved it, too. Okay. I just can't assign, like, close to a 5 for that a, for a book that's a romance. Even though I loved it, I feel like I just have to reserve that for books that, like, are really, really intense for me. Okay. Very fair. Well, the overall Redheads rating is in, and it is a... 4.6, making it our highest rated Woo! book yet. Wow. Go Snitch. That's great. I'm so happy everybody um, enjoyed. I mean, we're, we really enjoyed it. We want to thank you so much. And we are also extending to you the next book choice because April is still your month. So yes. what's it going to be, Snitch? Okay. It is a book called In Five Years by Rebecca what is it? Searle? Rebecca Searle. <laughs> Rebecca Rittenberg. Um, this, like, so before we were strangers, nobody really had ever heard of, and I kind of plucked it out of obscurity. This book came out, like, March 10th, 2020. It's, like, Marie Claire Book Club choice. Like, it's a book that everybody's reading. So, I figured we can hop on that train for now. See if, see if yeah. our obscure books are better than the... The famous ones. The you know? trendy. The trendy yeah. books. So, I love the trendy book moment. Yeah. yeah. So that is I'm choice. excited. We officially trust your cho- your Thank your you. taste. So I'm, I'm really excited to read this book. Yeah, I'm excited also. And everyone like keeps like DMing me. Be like, I have a book recommendation for you. It's in five years. And I was like, you don't even know. 
But it's my choice. <laughs> yeah, it was actually it was on my um want to read list already. So I'm I'm so grateful that you chose it. Yeah. It is called In Five Years by Rebecca Searle, S-E-R-L-E. Okay, before I let you guys go, we need to talk about the other books that we read in the last two weeks. Um, usually it's the last month, so not too many books. I guess I'll go first. Um, the first book that I read, which um, it's tough because last month I read When We Were Mermaids by Barbara O'Neill, and I strangely really, really liked it, and I just liked her writing style, so I chose another book by her called The Art of Inheriting Secrets. And um, it was just, like, not as good as the other book. And I'll leave it at that. I would give it a two. <laughs> um, then after spending my time reading that book, I called my friend Dana. And I said, Dana, like, you've been reading for years. And I'm just reading. But I feel like there's all these trendy books right now. But, like, what was the big book a year ago, two years ago? Can you make some recommendations for me? And she recommended two books, one of which I think is actually my new favorite book. And it's called The Unfortunate Importance of Beauty. I absolutely loved it. It's a little... um it's funny and glamorous, but it also has a little bit of that like magic from like nothing to see here. So you sort of have to suspend reality. So if you're not into that, I wouldn't recommend it for you. But for me, it just like I would have gone wherever the book took me. So I gave that a five. Dana also re- recommended The Farm uh, by Joanne. Oh, shoot. What's I forgot to write down the author's name. But that was a really big book a while ago, right, Dana? Yeah, yeah. I'm so happy you um, like The Unfortunate Importance of Beauty. It was such a weird book. Such a weird book, but I absolutely loved it. It's by Joanne Ramos, The Farm, and it was really good. It was really a great story, twists and turns. And then the other book that I read was The Silent Patient by Alex Michaelides, which is a thriller. Um, I saw Book of the Month. Uh, I followed them on Instagram. And they had like a March Madness sort of chart with all their books, and the silent patient was like runner up to little fires everywhere. So I was like, Oh, number two favorite book for people. I want to read it. I read it. It wasn't totally for me. Um, I guess I'm not a huge thriller person. And even when I am, I just like a little bit more glamor. So I rated it a three and those were the books I read in the last two weeks. Becky. I read the tattooist of Auschwitz, which was kind of on trend because I love historical fiction Um, and it's about a prisoner who is transported to Auschwitz-Birkenau and he's actually, um, chosen to be the person who tattoos numbers on each inmate that passes through. And it was incredible. I mean, I, I eat up World War II fiction, so I thought it was great for that reason. It wasn't my favorite of like the Holocaust series of books that I've read. I've talked about The Nightingale as being one of my favorite books, so I feel like in comparison to that book, it was it didn't land for me as much, but I still think it was such a worthwhile read. Um, I thought it was like a little. I've heard really good things. Yeah, from, it's about a really good book. It, it kind of sometimes portrayed the Holocaust in like a not, not by no means glamorous light, but like there was a an angle that was like, oh, this isn't so bad, and I was like, mm, that like doesn't normally land with me, like. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to fair. to like put a rosy lens over this entire event. So that's the only shortcoming that it had for me. But I think it was such a worthwhile read, and I always like to hear other people's opinions. And I would, yeah, I right. would um, rank it a four point three. It's nice. by Heather Morris, FYI. 
cool. And I'm sorry, Snitch. I'm not a speed reader, so it was oh. the only other book I read this month. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't been a month. It's only been two weeks, so I really don't expect anything from anyone. And I've just been, as you know, like on a kick. And it's like I refuse to watch TV right now. I'm just choosing to read. So don't go by me, please. Snitch. And also, like, you've been reading your whole life. Like, I have so much to catch up on, you know? I started reading four months ago. Totally. So there's just, like, so many books out there for me. Snitch? Are you sure this time? You've called on me three <laughs> times now. Snitch? Okay. So I really haven't read that much. I read Colton Underwood's the first time. Just don't read it. It was probably, like, a one. Um, and then I'm in the middle of The Royal We. <laughs> Which is, like, basically, like, an American Royals type, because I wanted more American Royals. But I haven't finished that yet, because I got the advanced copy of the American Royals sequel. So that's what Damn. I'm... Um, I haven't started it yet, because, like, I just don't... I know that I'm going to read it in a day, and I'm just, like, not ready. Um, uh-huh. But that's, that's really it for me. I haven't... I haven't done my job. I'm so excited for you that you got an advanced copy of the sequel. Like, no, I that's, know. That's really the perk of being a redhead. Yeah. No, I know. I'm very jazzed about it. I'm very excited. True me, perks. And, me and the author are like our friends. We DM. Oh my um, God. That's so cool. Yeah. Dana? I read Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which I know is really popular right now for good reason. So I popular. It. It's about like a rock and roll band in the 70s, I think. And I give it a 4.5. It was really good. Um, I read Sing, Unburied Sing by Jasmine Ward, which is not something I'd necessarily recommend, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I read What We Lose by Zinzi Clemon, which was really good, but again, maybe not mainstream. Uh, The Great Alone, which was really popular. I loved that. By Kristen Hanna. Yeah, yeah. I think the same author as The Nightingale, right? right? Yeah. Have you read yeah. The Night Have you read Night Road by Kristen Hanna? No. But I love her you writing apparently. It. So you gotta I would definitely read it. read it. And then I read We the Animals by Justin Torres, which was super weird, but I love that too. Nice. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad everyone shared. We also read a lot of books last month, too. We didn't have time to include that in our episode last month, but it's on our Instagram along with our ratings. Is there any book from last month that people really want to highlight for the redheads? I feel like last month I read a bunch of terrible books. Everyone should read American Royals because that way we can all read the series. Ooh. Um, I'm gonna read Verity okay. this month. People are obsessed. Oh, you with gotta that. read. You gotta oh, that's read Verity. All over the group, everyone's obsessed. Oh, you with Verity. would. It's wild. You would love Verity, and also Bex, you would love Daisy Jones and the yeah. Six. I bought it's it. So like good. it's sitting on my bedside oh, table. Okay. You'll love I it. I hope by next episode you have a chance to read it. It will take you less than a day. You are gonna love it so much. I think like I don't. I don't know anyone who would love it more than you would. Oh, that's so great it's to so hear. Good. Okay, then I'll definitely read it by the time of next episode. Because now the pressure's on. Pressure's on. Well, that's all she wrote. Thank you guys for joining us today. Thank you to all the redheads for who listen and read and contribute to our amazing and fabulous community. We are loving having the redheads during quarantine, and we're so glad that we are able to be there for you during this time. Make sure you're following the redheads on Instagram, at the redheads. And if you're not a member of our Facebook group, head over to that group, because so many people share so many great book recommendations. They talk about the redheads book. And it's just a great place to be. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. We would always accept a five-star review. I will always take a follow on Instagram at Jackie O Problems. At Mark Osray. Um, and we can't wait for next time. Next episode will drop the first Thursday of May. And the book is In Five Years by Rebecca Searle. So everyone have a great rest of the month. And we will see you next month. Bye. Bye.